Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. We have arrived at our ultimate or final installment in our Make Disciples podcast series where we are covering what a disciple is, who we are in Christ, and what are the characteristics of a follower of our King. Today we are discussing our 11 characteristics of a disciple and whether or not the list should be expanded. Like always, we have Michael, our resident ephesiologist, and I'm Andrew Johnson, a pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas. Michael... This should be fun. Should be fun. I hope it, it is. Be, okay. So just for a little bit of a context, because I think uh, some people who have come onto the Ephesiology game or have just been introduced to us, this podcast, um, through this book, Make Disciples, they may not at least initially realize this was built upon the book, Ephesiology, that yeah. was written years ago. So how long ago did you... Did that come out in 2020? 2020, yeah. Actually, we're coming up on our first year anniversary because it came out on Leap leap Day. Oh, that's in so 2020. Funny. You're such a nerd. Um, yeah. Well, that's so, kind of cool. Okay. This is, we're going yeah. into year two and we've accomplished so many things. So many things and clearly more than two years. So, <laughs> uh, okay. So, because of that, I, I asked that question because these 11 characteristics, these were on paper in a printed form in 2020. And so obviously you had been working on this idea for a long time since then, uh, before then rather, and we have been interacting on these points and these topics since, but things could have changed. 11 could have grown. Uh, so um, you would ask me like, what do you think? Do we should, we, should we talk about, should the list expand? I came to the table with three. Oh, that could potentially yeah, be added. Good. You came, I think, with with how many? Uh, well, uh, here's the thing. Okay, I mean, we never want to say if you do all eleven of these exactly. that are in this book, then you're going to be the perfect disciple because <laughs> th there are always going to be things that we think about or overlooked, and especially, I mean, in this context, because these eleven characteristics come out of ephesiology in that study of the church in Ephesus. Uh, th there are things about being a disciple that I didn't talk about in the book. And, mm. and so that's what that's what this time is going to be, is to think about, well, what are potentially some of those other areas that we think, well, that the Bible seems to speak clearly right. on that are characteristic of of a follower of Christ. Okay, so with that exact thought, obviously this is going to be centered on, uh, centered on Christ. It's going to be centered on the Bible. That's the that's the goal. This isn't just what does Andrew think today? What does Michael think today? What did we have for breakfast that might alter the way that we are thinking? That's not. It's not this. It's it's not coming or going. It's going to say more. What's more of the solid thing? I guess uh, a question I have before we jump right into it. Because of our interviews that we have had with some of the incredible people throughout this series, was there anything that came up in the podcasts that we have recorded that jogged your mind 
to maybe something else that would be good to say, hey, disciples are this? Yeah, I mean, I can't think specifically which podcast uh, or which recording it was, but mm. um, yeah, certainly there there are things that you begin to think about and you say, gosh, well, that should have been included. But that's why I'm so thankful that we had so many guests on to really uh, help us to think through in a community about what, what a disciple looks like. And, uh, but one of those things, well, here are a couple that come immediately okay. to mind. Um, and you think about it now, or I do thinking, thinking about it after having uh, written the book and the books out and everything. But, um, you think, gosh, how did I miss this? Uh, and there were two of those, at least for me, one is disciples love. Oh, I mean, we, yeah. And I mean, doesn't that seem just clear that a little on the uh, basic side? It, very basic, yeah, very basic. Um, yeah, we're supposed to love. I mean, God loves us. Jesus loves us. Uh, that Jesus tells his disciples in in uh, in John that uh, we're to abide in Him and He in us, and we're to love one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, it's by that manifestation of love for each other that people outside of the Christian community are going to know that we're followers of Christ. And uh, yeah, and how important is that for us even today? Mm. I think one of the things that cracks me up, I think, I don't think, you know, be generous to yourself. Um, Part of the idea that disciples love may not have been on there directly is because we probably hit the, the loving aspects of disciple through multiple other parts, right? What comes to mind is even, um, which again, it is different, but disciples being respectful is, mm. it's built on that love. It, it, it absolutely stands on that foundation. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads into the second one that I thought of. Actually, this was from a friend who was looking at the characteristics and said, what about forgiveness? Don't disciples forgive? And uh, I thought, well, yeah, we we are to be forgiving. And of course, we go immediately to Ephesians 4 and 5 and all of the one another's there. And and, uh, Ephesians 4, is just such a beautiful chapter about how we're to relate with each other. And I love uh, verse 32. In English, it doesn't quite capture what the Greek does, but uh, Paul writes, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And the forgiving here, well, there are a couple things. We're, we're to be kind, we're, we're to be tenderhearted, but the forgiving is uh, a Greek word uh, called charizomai. And you hear in that Greek word the root of grace. So it's not just forgiving um, because, and this is a long conversation that we might not want to take the time to get into. but On a podcast? No, it's fine. Uh, People pod- love yeah. this, Michael. This is the best. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, at some point, it would be interesting to get more into this because this is such a... I think it's an overlooked aspect of what it means to be a disciple, and it's often misunderstood because in in the New Testament, at least as I read it, forgiveness is conditional. 
uh, God forgives us when we confess our sins. John, First John 1, 9 tells us, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of unrighteousness. So there's a condition there. But God's grace is not conditional. Hmm. Um, and, and that's what I think Paul is getting at here. Charizomai is to be gracious to one another. Um, and there's no condition on that. There, it, it's, it is simply the way we're to be, uh, is to be gracious with one another. Even when somebody harms us or speaks poorly of us, or, you know, you can just think of all sorts of things. I would say that list can grow quickly. Yeah, yeah. Paul's admonition to the Christ followers in, in Ephesus and all of Asia Minor is that we're still to be gracious with, with with those people, and especially among the saints, we're to be gracious uh, with each other. And I, I think that's so important for us to really wrestle with, because it's hard to be gracious, you know. Um, and uh, but yet, God was gracious to us. I mean, just think how difficult. Yeah. You know, if we were to think of God in a human way, just think how difficult it would be to be gracious to us. Uh, you know, think about our own lives um, and uh, things that we've done that we just think, gosh, I don't deserve God's grace. And yet he is gracious to us uh, because of because of what Christ has done. Um, I think it's really important for us as we even reflect back on the series and continue to talk about what disciples do. Um, thinking back to that episode with Alan Hirsch, the disciples imitate, right? We, we are to imitate. And so a lot of these things are, yeah. what, what do we see in God? What do we see in Jesus? What, what was he like? What did he do? Because if he was about these things, we should be about these things. Um, or another way to put it, if, if Jesus wasn't above doing these things and living in these things, then we are not either. Mm. Um, and that leads us to my, I don't want to say my first one, but on a connected front. And it seemed to me to keep coming up podcast after podcast, um, and in conversations I was having off the podcast, uh, disciples are humble. Mm. I felt that humility is cited so often in scripture. You've got Paul's entire, I say rant, but his whole thought in Philippians um, chapter two uh, on the humility of Christ, on, mm -hmm. on how he came down, on how he lifted us up. And so it just seemed to me, the more we kept talking about things, one of the very first things that Christians need to be about and disciples need to be about is that humility of Christ. We need to lead with that humility. We need to be uh, forthright in our humility. And again, I, I didn't look over the list of characteristics that we had and said, none of these are touching on humility. Uh, disciples are respectful. Again, also checks that box. Mm. Right? It, it's the, we are humble and we want to lift others up. But um, I, that seemed, that seemed very important to me that that one probably could make the list. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, yeah. I think, you know, being more explicit about some of these things, maybe in a second volume mm. uh, at some point, it, 
is it, it merits that kind of attention because yeah again this isn't conclusive by any means and uh as we continue to grow as disciples and interact with other people and uh you know, lead our lives and our families and with friends and so on, we're, we're going to think, oh, yeah, hey, that's part of what it means to be a disciple, be a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, then I have two two others for you, and uh, this could fall... Maybe you need to write the second volume. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Ephesiology... <laughs> um, so the the two others that came to mind for me we're more born out of things we see disciples do, things we see Jesus do, maybe not as laid out as clearly either in Ephesians or other places. But the first, and again, I, I'm certain there's no real argument, but uh, disciples serve. Mm, they, what, talk more about that. They serve what? <laughs> Thankfully, people. Um because, you know, we have been called to be ministers to people, but um, almost as an extension of that humility, what do you do with that humility? Um, mm. I, I keep thinking about so much within the, the book of Ephesiology, but more specifically looking back at church history, the Christians were known as Christians because they constantly served others. Mm. They went out of their way to make impacts in the community the goal wasn't let's do this so that we have an impact. That was actually the byproduct or what, what the business terminology, the lag measure, right? Mm. Uh, what came first? Well, they were humble and out of love. They expressed that love through service of others. They put others first. They honored them. They, they tended to the poor. They tended to the sick. They uh, picked up and loved people who were outcasts. I mean, they made an immediate impact in their communities because they served. That was mm -hmm. the expression of some of these heart level characteristics. And so this is where at least some of this discussion is a little, uh, is, are we talking just characteristics like heart things, or are we talking about how they are expressed? the doing, right? And this is something that came up recently where uh, last time we talked to Jeff Vanderstel, right? Uh, it seems like a lot of doing. Well, I think at some point these characteristics lead to doing. And so let's talk about how that doing should show up. So mm. I posit to you, Michael, I think disciples should serve. Oh, yeah, 100 percent that they should. And, and yeah, again, we don't get explicitly into that in the book, but we do talk about mm. how disciples need to care for the marginalized and how That's right. uh, they need to have compassion for others. And those, those that, I mean, that's the action language. These are things that, right. that we do out of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. I love the idea that disciples serve Okay, so the last one that I thought of, which was actually the first one that I thought of, which I, I maybe you'll push back. This will be fun. You don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, disciples fast. Oh, okay. Let's hear. So specifically looking back at what the life that Jesus led and then the followers who came after him, and then looking through church history, this idea of 
not eating food to set aside oneself to prayer has always been at a high <laughs> uh, in in scripture. You know, I, I specifically, uh, after we uh, interviewed Jeff Vanderstelt on the pod, he was actually in Houston speaking to the Houston Church Planting Network. And so we spent some time in Acts 13 and Acts 14. When Paul and Barnabas are sent out, what do we see them doing? What's the very first thing? Well, mm. while they were fasting and praying, as as almost as uh, it's just like an, uh, a side thought, like while they were going about their normal business, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've caught. So hilariously, the the afterthought is fasting and praying. You know, we've already said disciples pray. But I do think that we see a, a rhythm of fasting, of a, a special action to be quiet and center ourselves on Jesus. Hmm. And I think that is important. I have more thoughts, but what, what do you think on the disciples' fast? Yeah, no, I like it, um, uh, and it's a real discipline, isn't it, to, to turn our minds fully to the Lord and and uh, be reminded even in our momentary hunger of who He is, and uh, yeah, so that's a it's a good discipline. I I think it's um, I think at the same time, you know, we don't want to be legalistic about those things and turn it into yep. yeah. Uh, but I can remember, you know, we lived in Romania for many, many years, and uh, the Romanian church, I mean, this was just a part of who the Romanian church was. They they fasted weekly, and uh, and it was a, a, a beautiful thing uh, to, to see that kind of discipline. So, yeah, it's a good discipline to cultivate. Uh, so for, again, another potential moment of awkwardness, uh, what role does fasting play in your life right now? <laughs> you know what? I fast for different purposes. Uh, uh, I, I fast, actually, I fast every day. Uh, so I do a, like a 12 to 15 hour fast uh, from lunchtime until breakfast the next morning. But uh, uh, my motivation for that is more physical health than it is anything else. Uh, it, not so much of a discipline, but it does, it is, it does become a discipline, uh, to remind us about, you know, who God is, what he's done in our lives. Uh, and, uh, yeah. This one. Yeah, now we turn it back on you. I, know, my and I, I, I was just saying, I was going to, I was going to answer my own question. Um, part of this even came about in reflecting on scripture, looking at my own life, um, for health reasons and myself, you know, I do the intermittent fasting thing. Breakfast is, so I do different. Breakfast is my rarity. I just don't eat it very much. Um, and so, but that's for physical reasons. And, and I almost want to mm -hmm. say that has almost zero Godward reasons. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, I don't, um, it's intentionally going to fast for the purpose of, dedicating that time to him, uh, dedicating that um, lack of sustenance so that he can be my sustenance, um, having him guide my thoughts, um, 
because I am in the habit of already not eating a meal a day, um, for me, fasting needs to be longer than that single meal and maybe even longer than two meals for me to actually get into a place where I am focused and I am fasting. And so, um, so after reading uh, some different scriptures and being impacted um, by that, I think the Holy Spirit was saying, so where's that in your life? Mm-hmm. Like if this is something that you care about, where is that? And so, um, so I have been doing that now routinely, um, recently, but it's, it is on the routine. Uh, and in Houston, um, for the month of February, when we were recording this, uh, we are trying to gather and rally, um, pastors and churches uh, through something called Awaken Houston. I know this is built on some of the awakened things that came out of Nashville and, you know, calling the church to a month of prayer and fasting. And so I'm trying to practice what I preach here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so trying to fast, trying to rejoinder both my heart and our church to what God is doing in this city. And um, so for that reason, I say, you know, this is, this is very much trying to practice what I preach and um, make it be a, a part of my life and be a bit more focused in my pursuit of him. So I, because of that, I say disciples fast. Good, good. That's a good one. Uh, from our little chitter and chatter, have there been any that come to mind or even aspects of our own faith that we think you know, for the uh, forthcoming book uh, to make two disciples, to um, what what other things do we think we can add? Oh, they're just so. Yeah, I mean, we were talking before we came on about the whole list of one another's in scripture and how we're to interact with each other, and of course, all of those could be added in here. Not that they're not, you know, like you were saying earlier, some some of this is inherent in uh, the characteristics that we have been talking about, but there are certainly others. Like, what does it mean for a disciple to admonish? uh one another and uh how does that look and i think a part of that is you know the respect the grace that we've been talking about uh we're to accept one another uh what a beautiful image there uh you know even though we might have differences i I was just reading a doctrinal statement yesterday of of a I won't say I what say, it was. You're going to protect the innocent? Yeah, yeah, protect it. But there was a, an explicit statement about separation. Uh, and, of course, we, you know, you talk about in in your tradition, the disfellowshipping of some folks. And you think, how, what, how does that, how does that model accepting one another? Um, and because uh, we so often, you know, think of, how different and those differences divide and sometimes we get so high on our own horses that we think that what we believe is the right way to believe and forget that there is just a wealth of uh, richness in how others uh, think about their relationship with the Lord and and they're not questions of right or wrong. But they're often questions of, or issues of culture and and uh, you know other other 
things. But uh, yeah, to practice that accepting of one another, I think, is a, a beautiful marker of a disciple. To bear each other's burdens, too. Um, and we talk about prayer, and of course, we bear right. each other's burdens in prayer. But what does that mean in the practical side, like you were saying uh, a moment ago? What's the doing aspect of that? Mm-hmm. And um you know, we struggle, I think, particularly in the West, but in other parts of the world, too. I, I mean, I had an email from a, a brother uh, not too long ago in uh, an African country who said, you know, I just can't go to the church and share my burden with the church. Uh, and I thought, wow, you know, what does that communicate about right. our Christianity and our responsibility to be uh bearers of each other's burdens so and i think something you are again you already talked about uh in regards to some things that exist in denominationalism are really about cultural differences Mm. and and so that is for a lot of times maybe even those churches exist within cultures nationally internationally rather where having burdens expressed aloud is a big no-no or or uh even showing weakness which it you know that's kind of sure part and parcel with yeah. accepting christ but yeah um, that especially if you're a leader mm-hmm. you know and that's oh, gosh that's yeah. here as well you know we kind of mask over uh the burdens that we might have if we're in a leadership position it's so true it's so true uh yeah, how about for you what is can you think of others that you might add? Well, I, I I did write down my three, and I've expressed them on the podcast. So I'm trying to think if there would be any more. Um, I, it, even a bit more on a funny side, I feel like I'm I'm laughing a little bit. Like every time you say one, I'm like, how did I not think of that one? I know. How did I, I not think of that one? And so uh, I keep being awed and wowed um, by what. You know, when you say disciples love, and that didn't make the initial list, that should have been enough for us to go. Okay, okay, I think we've got some blind spots. <laughs> I, th- I think this this list does have room to grow. Uh, certainly, it was never intended to be an exhaustive list, but um, yeah. and an encouraging guide. Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think some of the, it's more of those practical things, like the one another's. Like when, when you talk about. Um, bearing each other's burdens that's built almost on humility realized mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's not just a humility that i am less uh, uh I, I phrased that poorly um that i am not as high and mighty as i believed that i in fact am am broken i am broken and i am in need uh but that humility realized is that if i am broken and am in need that means others are as well and I don't want to leave them in their brokenness and need. I want to come alongside. I want to lift them up. I want to bear their burdens. So mm-hmm. um, it seems like some of these internal characteristics have uh, that one another outfacing, as you mentioned. So that's where my mind is. Um, my guess is we could probably go down our list and look at characteristics and then find their outward call in the one another's. Almost, mm-hmm. I bet almost every one of them has a, a corollary. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So. Well, and I hope 
to, I mean, again, we're, we in no way are suggesting that what we've talked about uh, as the characteristics of a follower of Christ is, is all-inclusive or exhaustive. But I hope it, what this does is spurs us on to think more mm-hmm. about you know, what we've been talking about here. Uh, what, what are some other characteristics where, where uh, might we add more conversation to uh, the, what it means to be a follower of Christ? And my real hope for this book is that, and for the, our series, the, mm-hmm. I, I think this series, series has just been a real blessing to, I know me, and I know you as well. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, I, I hope that it will find its way into small groups uh, where people can gather together and talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And and even in the context of those small groups, I hope there'll be some space for people to think, you know, what, what else, what would we add to this? And um, yeah, of course, we'd love to hear uh, about those who are interacting with the material. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, you very nicely are leading to us closing the podcast, but I did, I thought of it. I thought of the the gap the whole, the, the divot that I knew even when reading. And then that's one the, one of the, I meant to write down. It was the very first thing. Um, but something along the lines of uh, disciples are joyous disciples uh. praise. There is this emotive aspect of if, if Jesus is uh, changing us in how we think, feel and act more and more like him, that feeling needs to be expressed that there is something you know. that is, that is a an expressive joy that is just it, it almost escapes us in praise and mm. in, in honor of God and we don't have that <laughs> that's not on the list and uh, yeah that, that would be a good one for sure yeah you think of John fifteen uh, abiding the, mm-hmm. the the he tells us that as we abide in Him and He in us then our joy is going to be made full and yeah, uh, yeah that's a real thing. So, so, okay. So listeners, you can tell Michael and I, if we, if you just give us uh, a little bit more time, we're going to come up with another 13, uh, <laughs> and then it'll be 20. And then, and so we would love to hear from you. Um, what are some more things that you would think, Hey, this is what Jesus says. This is what disciples really should be about. I think, I think this is important. Please chime in, please chime in. Uh, when you have feedback for us, you can go on Facebook and give us that feedback. You can email Michael at ephesiology.com. You can email me at Andrew Johnson at NeartownChurch.org. Uh, but we want to say specifically thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in this series. It has been a joy uh, to walk with you through the Make Disciples podcast series. Now, if for some reason, this was the first podcast uh, that you have listened to. You are at the end, so I invite you to go all the way back uh, to our beginning with Alan Hirsch as we talked about what is a disciple. And then as you scroll through the Make Disciples podcast series and find topics that interest you, please listen to them and then go explore the rest of their catalog. Find other things that interest you. We would love to have you dig into what God has already done through the Ephesiology podcast and and. Hopefully, he's going to continue to do in and through you. Uh, If you have been interested by this podcast series, we invite you to check out the rest of the stuff um, at masterclasses.ephesiology.com. 
I know, I trust, it's going to be a blessing to you there. So, from Michael and I, thanks for joining us in doing theology and community today on the Ephesiology Podcast.